Thank you, HK. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Christ Church. Glad that you're here. This is the time we have set aside for worship, and that's exactly what we're doing, is worshiping God today. We're going to be learning from God's Word and worshiping while we're doing just that. You know, last week we began a brand new series that I'm calling the Original Top Ten. The Original Top Ten. It's all about the Ten Commandments. And here's one thing that you might not know. The Ten Commandments are all about relationship. Did you know that? Every last one of them is about a relationship. The first ones are about our relationship with God. That's that vertical relationship. The others are our relationship with one another. That's the horizontal relationship. The vertical and the horizontal. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about all about building strong relationships. Now, before I go any further, uh, let me give you a little bit of context. You know, after Moses had led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he led them all the way to the Red Sea, or more, com uh, more accurately known as the Reed Sea. And uh, the Lord parted that sea, and the fantastic thing is that they walked across that sea on dry ground, according to God's word, on dry, on dry ground. And then they escaped Pharaoh's army. And soon he found themselves in the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula. They camped at the base of Mount Sinai. And while there, God called Moses to the mountain, up on the mountain several times, and gave him the Ten Commandments to give back to the Israelites. Now, a few years ago, uh, I was privileged to be in Egypt in, on, in the Sinai Peninsula and uh, uh, traveling uh, there and then actually having the privilege of climbing, climbing the uh, uh, Mount Sinai, climbing Mount Sinai, uh, walking up that 7,500-foot summit in order to see the sun break over the, uh, the desert there in the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, at the top, it was spectacular, spectacular, where we gathered there at the top and began to read the story of God calling Moses up on the mountain and then giving him the Ten Commandments. It, it was just an absolute holy moment with God. It was a holy moment. Today, we're going to look at the second of the commandments God gave, second commandment, and uh, it's all about building strong relationships. So here it is from the book of Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. You must not make any idols. All right, let's read that again. You must not make any idols. Don't worship or serve idols of any kind because I, the Lord, am your God. All right, let's do it again. You must not make any idols. Don't worship or serve idols of any kind because I, the Lord, am your God. You know, I mentioned last week that one of the very few things that Christians and Jews and Muslims all agree on are these Ten Commandments. We, we all agree that these are the commandments of God. You know, and this second commandment that we're talking about, uh, my, my message today is called Ex uh, Reject the Substitute. Those are the idols we're talking about. This second commandment uh, says two things. It says here, first, don't idolize anything. 
I want you to remember that. It says, don't idolize anything. And the second thing that Scripture tells us is worship God only. Two things, don't idolize anything and worship God only. You know, so the question I have for you is this, what is an idol? What is an idol? Well, an idol is anything that pushes God off the throne of your life, anything that takes the first place in your life, that is an idol. Anything, anything, an idol is anything that takes the place of the relationship you have with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When there is anything in my life that is first place and that's not God, that's an idol. And, and I'm, I say anything in your life that takes the number one spot, even if it's a good thing, even if it's a good thing, it can still be an idol. So what does it mean to idolize, folks? What does it mean? Well, it means this. To idolize means to value something more than God. If you've printed out the notes, I hope you have, you want to write that in. To idolize something is to value anything, whether it be a person or a place or a thing, anything more than God. You know, uh, some people park their idols in the garage. Others dock them at the marina. Some put them in safety deposit ba uh, boxes. What's the point? Let me tell you, don't think that idols were just of the past. We have idols right in our own life today. That's why this is so relevant. It's relevant because right today in the year 2021, there are modern day idols. They're modern day idols. They're closer than you might think. You know, throughout history, it's fascinating to me, but archaeologists tell us that practically in every culture throughout history, there have been idols. Idols in every culture throughout history. Statues of little gods or goddesses, things like this. You know, uh, there's, there seems to be something in us that desire something greater than we are. There is something innate in us that, that desires something greater. And often it's, it's something that this desire to turn objects or people into objects of worship. I'm not sure what that's all about, but God says don't do that. Don't turn objects or other people into objects of worship. You know, in the Bible times, there were three primary idols. Three primary idols. These were Canaanite gods. The first one uh, is one that you might be familiar with. It's, this is the, an object here called Baal. It's the I, idol Baal or the uh, Canaanite god Baal. And uh, he was the god of, uh, of fertility, of sex and fertility. The second Canaanite idol is Mammon. Mammon, he's the god of money, the god of money. And then there was this one. His name is Moloch, Moloch. And Moloch was a god that required child sacrifice, child sacrifice. If you're going to please Moloch, you would give a child uh, to him in sacrifice. You know, we don't have these kind of idols, uh, you know, today. Uh, we just pay uh, monthly fees to, 
to stream the movies with sex and violence and money right into our homes. You know, we don't have to go out and worship them. We just stream it right into our house. But it's the same kind of thing. You know, in those days, in the biblical days, those idols were made out of metal or rock or earth or clay or wood or something like that. Well, often we don't have that today. We, we, we don't have metal images. We have mental images. We have mental images, mental idols. We often don't worship idols, uh, you know, such as uh, images of success we do. We, we worship images of wealth or uh, images of sensuality. And it's very difficult to raise your kid in an environment where that's what they hear all the time and you're telling them, don't do those kinds of things. It's very difficult to do that. But let me tell you, values are important. Values are important. You have to teach your kids the disadvantages of idols and the importance of the proper values. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, says this, check it out, says, for your own good, look at that again. Look at those first words right there. Let's say them together. For your own good, okay, for your own good do what? Don't sin by making an idol in any form at all. For your own good, he says, don't make an idol in any form at all. I want you to circle the phrase, for your own good. If you printed it out, circle for your own good. It says, for your own good, don't make an idol. Today, where do we, what do we do? We, we often wear our idols right on our t-shirts. People proudly proclaim what they're committed to right there on your t-shirt. Well, God says, for your own good, don't idolize anything or anyone. Why? Let me tell you why. First, I want you to know this, is that idols will dissatisfy me. I want you to write it in. Idols will dissatisfy me. Always will. They will always dissatisfy you. They'll always let you down. Idols will sat, uh, dissatisfy me. They always promise more than they can deliver, folks. Jeremiah 10, 14, check this out. Look what it says. It says, those who make idols are, what's this word? Disillusioned, right? They're disillusioned. Why? Because the gods they make are false and lifeless. Yeah, they're false and lifeless. I mean, you hear this all the time, folks. Yeah, you know, from particularly from Hollywood. You wear our label, you know what? You wear our label, you're going to be popular. If you buy our product, you're going to be successful. You know, if you, if you drink our beer, you're going to have a lot more fun. You know, if you buy your, our toothpaste, you're going to have sex appeal. You hear that. But you know what? They always promise more than they can deliver. I mean, have you ever ordered something online that you've been reading about, and you said, this is what i got to have, this is what i got to have, I've got to have this, and then you order it, and it gets to your house, and it's nothing. It can't deliver what they promised. Uh, it didn't perform as promised. Well, in the same way, you know, if you replace God with with anything or anyone, you're always going to be dissatisfied. Idols will always dissatisfy you. Anytime you put any person or anything or any product in place of God, 
Anytime you expect any of those things to solve all your problems or to guarantee your happiness, you're always going to be dissatisfied because idols will always disappoint you. All right, here's another reason why, is that idols will direct me. Look at this. We're going to have to figure out what this means, right? Idols will direct me. They will direct me. What do we mean by that? Be forewarned, okay? Listen to me. Be forewarned. Idols will end up controlling your life. That's what this means. Idols will end up controlling your life. 1 Corinthians 12.2 says this, I want you to remember that before you became followers of the Lord, you were, what's this? Read it. Led in all the wrong ways. All right, so before you became followers of the Lord, you were led in all the wrong ways by idols that can't even talk. By idols that can't even talk. I want you to circle led in all the wrong ways. Led in all the wrong ways. In other words, idols will begin to control you or they will direct me. You know, the thing you love more than God will always begin to control you. You know, what we use, we often use, uh, instead of the word idol today, in today's culture, we often use the word addiction. Addiction. You can be addicted to work. You can be addicted to pleasure. You can be addicted to sports. You can be addicted to sex, to numerous things. Uh, besides drugs and alcohol, you can be addicted to all kinds of things. You know how we make them our idol. We serve them. We begin to serve them. But eventually, you know, uh, it begins to run your life. When you love something more than God, it will run your life. People say, you know what, Pastor? I can give it up at any time. Well, goodness sakes, well, then why don't you? I mean, if it's so easy to give it up, then why don't you? Here's the deal. It's hard. Because once they begin to control your life, they have a hold on you that is difficult to break. You see, idols will eventually begin to direct you and distract you. Here's the third reason why we need to make sure that you reject that substitute is idols will distort me. Idols will distort me. I want you to write that in. Idols, they will distort me. What does that mean? It means they're going to change you. That's what it means. Idols will begin to change you. Uh, they'll warp you. You will end up losing your uniqueness that God created in you. They will distort you. You will become like that which you value most. Do you realize that? You see, you know, if you begin to serve the substitute, if you begin to serve the idol, you become like that which you serve, which you value most. Psalm 115 verse 8 says this, those who make and trust in idols do what? Let's read it. Say those last words. Become like them. Those who make and trust in idols do what? Become like them. I didn't make this up. 
This is what King David had to say in the Psalms right here. Those who, who make and trust in idols become like them. That's what I've been saying. They will distort you. They will warp you. They will change your uniqueness, the uniqueness that God has created in you. You know what? I often say that we, we shape an idol, and you know what the idol then does? The idol begins to shape us. We shape an idol, and then the idol shapes us. You become like whatever is first place in your life. So, you know, you better reserve that spot for God, or you're going to end up doing what? Getting distorted, getting distorted, and, and, uh, and then you're not going to be what God has created you to be in the first place. You know, there was a rich young man one day that came to Jesus. This guy was, uh, this guy was kind of a yuppie. He said, you know, Lord, what do I need to do to follow Christ? What do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to this yuppie, he said, go and sell everything you have, and then you can come and follow me. You know, and it's interesting, not one other time in the Bible did Jesus tell anybody else to do that. You recognize that? Did you know it? This is the only story where Jesus t told anybody to go and sell everything they had, and then they could come and follow. You know why Jesus said that to the yuppie? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus knew something down deep in that guy's life that his stuff would always mean more than his relationship with God. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Jesus knew that down deep, that guy valued his stuff more than he valued a relationship with God. He went right to the heart of that issue. And what's sad is the scripture says that this guy turned away sad and walked away without following Jesus. You know what? Uh, what do you need to give up in your life in order to accept the original and reject the substitute? What do you need to do to make sure that God's number one in your life, that the idols aren't controlling you, that the idols aren't dissatisfying you, that the idols aren't distorting you? Because that's what idols do. Listen to me. It's what idols do. They will dissatisfy you. They will disillusion you. They will distort you. That's what idols do. What do you need to give up in order to be all that God wants you to be? You might say, I don't want to let go of this relationship, but that relationship may not be what God wants in your life. You say, I don't want to give up that career, but maybe, just maybe, just maybe, you know I don't, but maybe that career is keeping you from serving God. Maybe you're just in the wrong one. What do you need to let go in order to reject the substitute and accept the original? I've said many times, an original is always worth more than a copy. And all these idols are, are a really lousy copy of God. You know, I mean, have you ever thought about how, have you ever thought about how big a $50 bill looks in church and how small it looks at the grocery store? 
You know, what is it that we're worshiping here? What is number one in your life? You know, a family uh, was going home after church one day, and the father was complaining about the service, and the sermon was too long, the music was too loud, the room was too hot, and he was griping, complaining all the way home, and the little boy in the back seat said, you know, Dad, that's not bad for the buck you gave. Not a bad show for a buck. Well, what is it that we're idolizing? Could it be our finances? You remember the, the, uh, the scene in the last, I guess it was the, uh, the third of the Indiana Jones movies, the third, the last crusade? In the last scene, they find the Holy Grail, and then there's an earthquake, and the earth splits open, and the lady who's been trying to grab the grail the entire time, uh, uh, she has to make a decision to get the grail or let it go. They're saying, save your life, save your life. She wouldn't let it go, and she fell down into a crevice in the earth. God says, look, you know what? For your own good people, don't let anything take first place in your life, whether it's your career, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, a dream, or anything else. He says, keep me first. So what's the benefit of keeping God first? What's the benefit of rejecting the substitute and keeping the original? Let me tell you, here's the benefit of worshiping God only, and that is this, it will fulfill me. Yes, it will. To worship God only, to reject the substitute will fulfill me, will fulfill me. Uh, Psalm uh, 37 verse 4, check it out, says this, seek your happiness in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Now, just look at this promise for a moment. It says, if I seek happiness in the Lord, and not in the other things, but in the Lord, God will give me my heart's desire. That's a guarantee right there. He says, you know, try to put me first, love me first, worship me first, and see if you won't have the fulfillment that you have been longing for. See if God won't fulfill the desires of your heart. You know, so many people I talk to say, you know, my only regret is that I didn't give my life to Christ much earlier in my life. I wish I'd have done it earlier. Reject the substitute, people. Don't settle for an image of God. Settle for the real thing. Seek the real thing. It will fulfill you. Satisfy your heart desire. Here's the next one. It will also free me. You know, if I, if I reject the substitute and, and, and uh, give my heart and life to Christ and worship God only, it will free me. It will free me. The Bible says that you will experience freedom in your life like you've never before when you put God first place in your life. That's some incredible freedom here. Jesus said, if you obey my teaching, you will know the truth and then you will, what, be really free. Yeah. Then you will be really free or you will set you free. If the sun sets you free, you'll be really free. He says right here, why is it that when I put God first in my life, I can be really free? Well, I'll tell you how. God frees you from your past. That's right. God frees you from your past. You know, for me, I am completely forgiven. I'm completely forgiven. I don't carry regrets around with me anymore. I'm set 
free. I'm set free from my past. I'm also set free in my present. In my present. I have a, a new power to break the habits that I couldn't break on my own. You know, God has brought people around us. In a, it, it, you're blessed to be a part of a church family that wants to surround you and help you with the hurts and hang-ups and habits that hold you captive. You can be free in the present. You can also be free in the future. You know, I'm not afraid of dying. I know where I'm going to go. I'm not afraid. I'm simply going to wake up on the other side and meet Jesus. I'm free in the past. I'm free in my present. I'm free in my future. That's real freedom. And here's the last one. What happens when you worship God and worship God only? And when you reject in the substitute and hanging your hat on the original is that is it will form me. Worshiping God only will form me, will form me. That is, when I put God first place in my life, it forms me, to, helps me to develop my potential and the unique person that God has created me to be in the first place. You become what it is that you love. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, As the Spirit of the Lord works in us, we become more and more like Him. Look at that again. As the Spirit of the Lord works in us, or works with us, we become more and more like Him. Whatever it is that you love, you're going to become like that. You're going to become like what it is that you love. Whatever you worship, you're going to become like that. If you love money, you'll be, you're going to become materialistic. If you worship yourself, you're going to become more selfish. If you worship Christ, love Christ, you're going to become more like Him. And that's exactly what God wants you to become like. He wants you to develop the character of Christ, to be like His Son in character with the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, the characteristics of Jesus. You'll never become who God created you to be until you put God first in your life. You know, one guy... One day, a guy named Philip came up to Jesus and said, uh, show us what God is like. Show, show us the Father. And Jesus said, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. It's clear. You know, when you, when you look at Jesus, you know what God is like. When you look at Jesus, you know what God is like. You know, he, he came to earth, he wanted to communicate. You know, if he wanted to communicate with ants, it would become an ant. If he wanted to communicate with dogs, it would become a dog. If he wanted to communicate with cows, it would become a cow. But he wanted to communicate with us. So he came like us. He came like us in the person of Jesus. He wasn't born in a place where where only the rich and the kings and queens have their residence. 
but he was born in a barn and placed in a manger. He's like us. And he came to show us how to live and how to love and to show us exactly what God's like and how much God loves you. And his final act was to throw his arms open wide on the cross. And he said, come to me. Come to me. Reject the substitute. Come to me. Reject the lifeless images. Reject the false images. Reject the false hope. But come to me. Because in me, you will have life. You'll be set free. All the idols want to do is to distract you and attack you. They want to hold you captive. They want to suck the uniqueness that God has placed in you right out of you. But what God wants to do is to set you free. And he'll do that through his love, through his grace, and through the forgiveness of Jesus. Are you ready to say yes to him today? Are you ready to reject the substitute and say yes to the original? If you're ready... Why don't you join your heart together with mine and we can pray together. Most gracious God, thank you for your love for us that never ends and never fails. Lord, you have come to set us free, to set us free indeed. And I pray, Heavenly Father, right now for those who have yet to open their life to Christ to receive the forgiveness and the grace and the love that you have come to offer. And I pray right now that they may seek you because we know that if they seek you, they'll find you. There are so many substitutes on the market right now, God. So many that, so many things that shine to try to catch it, catch our eye. But we pray right now, Lord, that we would always set our heart on the original. And so right now, Lord, I say, come into my heart and into my life. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I reject all that is false. I want truth. And we find that in you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I give you my life today. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our God. Amen.